Hello, hello, and welcome back to Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. We are your sisters. I'm Megan. I'm Dana. And we're here today to share a few stories with you. Stories that may conjure up feelings of intrigue, fear, and all-around spooky vibes. So if you're ready, do come in, cross the threshold carefully, and enter this creepy dimension with us. So Megan, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you? Um, it's been a week. This month has kind of been nonstop, which is great. But like part of me is ready to settle down and do nothing. We come home with a couch and binge like unsolved mysteries, like even the new one and the old one. We Abby and I have are all caught up with the new one as of this recording. We still have one more uh, batch to come out and go through. Right. But- even before this recording, we were watching Old School Unsolved Mysteries with my man, Robert Stack. But yeah, I would gladly take sitting here with you together, but apart, talking all the fun things because yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a month. <laughs> yeah, I too have been watching the new Unsolved Mysteries, and I do watch the old ones as well. But I am really excited because this Tuesday, the new ones, the new episodes drop. And there's one in particular that I knew exactly what the episode would be about before I could even see who was on it, you know, anything. I didn't know the, the title or anything like that. But I was obsessed back in the day with Paranormal Witness, the show. And there was an episode that was really interesting and one of the most interesting in the show. And the person that was interviewed is actually, it's the same, it's the same story. They're going to be telling the same story on this new season of Unsolved Mysteries. So I am really excited to see that episode. And I could tell that it was the same person just by the voice because I remember know. that <laughs> I sent I sent you in the group chat with Abby and Rachel. I sent you um, all the preview, the trailer for it before, like, so I know they do like trailers for each third batch, but they did the whole trailer for the whole season. And you were like, I think I know one of them. Immediately. Yes, and that story. Such a cut, a cut of images and stories that I was like, which one is she talking about? Because there's a total of nine stories, and they kind of like slice them all together. But you're like, no, I know one of them. Yeah, I just knew her voice. Mm-hmm. This story is absolute. It's crazy. I, I can't wait. Go- I'm so excited. So now that I feel, you know, happy, I would love to he- have you feel fill. The void of my stressed out heart by giving me something scary to focus on, Megan. So you're not doing that story. So what story are you doing today? All right. So today I'm going to tell you two stories. Two stories of people who passed by the hands of another. When justice was finally served, it was done so by the most unimaginable source. It was served by those who had passed themselves. 
Today, I'm going to share with you the stories of justice from beyond. The first story is the oldest and goes back to the 1800s. Okay. This is the story of Elva Zona Heaster Shoe. Also, the story that she's known, they, they call it the Greenbrier Ghost. So, okay. You might have heard it. I, I don't know if it was on Unsolved Mysteries or what it was on, but it sounded really familiar when I was researching it. But who knows? Anyways, Elva Zona Heaster Shoe is a mouthful, and she was known by most as Zona. So that's what we shall call her today. I like it. Yeah. Zona lived in Greenbrier County, West Virginia in 1897. She had just been married to Erasmus, also known as Edward, a local blacksmith. Zona was loved by those in her community and was only married for three months when on January 23rd, 1897, she was found dead in her home. A call was made to the doctor slash coroner who arrived at the home around an hour after the call for help, which is kind of a long time. Yeah, but you got to think about it if it's like the 1800s, like you said. Yeah. I don't know how they got to him. Like Transportation. They, yeah, they, they did get someone to get to him and then come get back or, you know. So true. Yeah, round, that's true. Round trip and either someone's running or horseback riding, you know. So. Yeah, so we'll cut him some slack. Just a, a wee bit. Should have been maybe a half an hour, but whatever. <laughs> right. Upon arriving, the coroner was met by Erasmus laying on Zona's body, clearly weeping, devastated over the loss of his new bride. The coroner was quick to deduce her cause of death being, quote, everlasting faint. I've never heard of that term. No. Very interesting. Is that like she's like that death? She's like forever fainting, like forever dead? That's what it sounds like to me. I like that. Yeah. They're everlasting fainting now. (laughs) Right. But sometime in the future, that was changed to childbirth, which is even more interesting because Mm -hmm. there was absolutely no evidence that she was even pregnant. The custom in the area at the time was for women in the town to take charge in preparing the deceased for burial. But in this case, that did not happen. Erasmus took matters into his own hands and prepared Zona for burial himself. He put her in a dress that had a high and stiff neckline that I can only assume was similar to like a turtleneck. Then next, the next step was the funeral, during which those in attendance noticed Erasmus's protective nature over Zona. He never left her side. He Hmm. never allowed anyone to get close to her, which people there were now finding a bit strange. Yeah. Eventually, it came time to move Zona to her grave. But when her body was moved, those in attendance noticed, strangely enough, that her neck was quite loose. (gasps) But nothing was really questioned at that time, and Zona was buried. Now, her mother... Loose neck? I know. How do you... I don't know how you notice a loose neck. Like, is her head lolling? I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, how did they move the body in order... Like, how did the people notice it? How did they move the body? Like, my thing is, like, 
what, where was she laid out? Was it like was she on the bed or something, or on like I know like Italian people sometimes like or uh, older cultures will have them like almost like a wake kind of type thing, and it's like I wonder if she was on the bed. My 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 weird brain also says like the table. Um, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. I feel like if they're moving them off, they might be using like a sheet type thing to make it like a makeshift like gurney or carrying things maybe when they moved it like dragging to lift it her head or neck moved in a abnormal way yeah you know dana i just now was thinking we have been to so many funerals like i can't even count how many we've been to i remember talking to people about going to funerals like all of our life and this doesn't have to do with living by at the, the cemetery, cemetery which I mean we went to funerals there or observed funerals there in general but like we've been to like the actual services and I remember one time when I was like in high school having friends or people who were like I've never been to a funeral same now, I've been to 10 this year not saying like we knew all these people our parents had the mindset that the, that was like the biggest kindness you could show to people is like attending a funeral for a loved one like my dad um my, my dad only my dad surprise yes, um <laughs> he would be like we're going to the funeral of my friend jerry's brother's wife I'm like did you know her and he's like no but we're supporting jerry and going so <laughs> i'm like okay like we've been to a funeral before where it was i don't know if you were the, the, this one where it's completely in spanish i don't remember i don't I remember did. i was like i don't know a goddamn thing that's happening. Yeah, I probably did go if it was for Abuela's, one of Abuela's friends. I don't think it was for Abuela's friends. I think it was for someone, one of mom's friends, like mothers or something. <laughs> I don't even know okay, what I don't remember that. I was like, Ugh. Yeah, we've been to so many funerals, weddings. I mean, like, it's just, Big it's family. wild. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that. But I think was- I've only been to one wake I think or one like type thing like that where you've actually seen the individual Uh, yeah I think I've only been to a couple like open casket ones but then I feel like one time I remember I was very young we went to I think Titinelli was either dying or had died or something and like we went to her house or something like that we did go to her house because that's the only honestly the only memory I have of her was going to her house. Was she, alive? she was alive. Okay, because I remember being like, nope, she's dead in that room. I'm not going in there. Maybe she was sick. Guy. She was sick. Okay. Yeah. So my brain must have been like, if I go in there, she's going to die. And yeah. Die. <laughs> so that's on childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. So Zona's mother, Mary Jane Heaster, lived in town. And just a month after her daughter's death, she began sharing with the neighbors stories of a nightly visitor. That would come to her bedside. Now, the visitor was her very own daughter. Her daughter would repeatedly tell her that her death had been caused not by childbirth. It was not an accident, but by the hands of her new husband, Erasmus. Mm. She said he became angry and strangled her to death. Mary experienced these wild visitations four times before finally sharing the story with the county's prosecuting attorney. The open-minded attorney began an investigation. Can you imagine? 
I mean, I am so happy that this guy was like, all right, you know what? We'll look into it. Where I feel like most people would be like, all right, you're crazy. Goodbye. Would be like, oh, you're having like post-traumatic like stress or hallucination. Hallucina- mm, there's a word there. Hallucinations. Thank you. <laughs> hallucinations. Yeah. Like, like grief-stricken hallucinations. Because her mom, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. That's true. Well, they exhumed Zona's body. And on February 22nd, 1897, after three hours of examination. Now, this is very different from when she was examined before. Because before, the man just kind of looked over her and was like, all right, yeah, it was, it was because of this. And just gave an answer. Yeah. Wouldn't you know it, it was found Zona had marks on her neck where fingers had clearly grabbed her. Her neck had been broken and her windpipe had been crushed. June 22nd, 1897 was the day the trial against Erasmus took place. Mary Jane took the stand where she was asked questions about her ghostly encounter by Erasmus's lawyer. And the lawyer specifically asked questions about her ghostly encounter, hoping that the jury would find her story unreliable. But it seemed his plan had the opposite effect. And on July 11th, Erasmus Shue was found guilty of the murder of Zona Heaster Shue. Wow. Mary Jane was not visited again by Zona after the trial, seemingly due to the justice finally being served. This is the only known case in history where a ghost had such a large role in the conviction of their murderer. West Virginia has a state historical marker near Zona's burial site, and I'll share a picture of it on our Instagram account for those that would like to see it. But I thought that story was quite interesting, especially the only known case in history. It's funny because he was suspicious anyway from the get-go. Yeah. Um, And I wonder, like, part of me is like, did he pay off the doctor? Did he, like, make sure he got the certain doctor that was like, yeah, don't look at her just from afar. Tell me what what it looks like, you know? Well, in the stories that I read, they made a point of saying that he basically was not leaving her side. He was, like, so distraught or acting like he was so distraught and was, like, laying over her body, just not letting the coroner get close to her. And the same goes for when the funeral took place, too. He wouldn't let anybody get close to her. So nobody was really able to truly examine her until her body was exhumed. Uh, That's just beyond comprehension. Like, it's so sneaky. Yeah. And her mother, they had only been dating, I think, a couple weeks before they got married. And her mother was not a fan of him. And so if if her mom wasn't a fan of him, <clears throat> this probably was like some vocally made suggestions as well, which could have gone against her once you went to like the police, you know, but you didn't like him. You're just saying it because you didn't like him and your daughter's dead and you're sad. Right. The death of your daughter. Right. Yeah. And I love how when it came time for her to stand trial, they 
were asking her questions specifically about her encounter with her daughter's presence. And the jury was so intrigued and believed her. And they were using it as something to like prove her, you know, unreliable. And, and it didn't work. It just didn't work. Yeah. It backfired on them because they believed her. Yeah. Would you Can mean- you Im- I just can't imagine. Her. Yeah. I just can't imagine sitting in a trial where that, was the subject matter like you don't hear of that ever no I would definitely want sorry excuse me that's the one jury I'd be like yeah I'll be on this jury thank you so much please talk to me more about this thank you so much right right I would have so many questions yeah because that's just and I and, and I wonder if I wonder if he already kind of could see the bruising or the hand marks forming on her neck. And I don't know how long it was until they actually exhumed her. But, like, it probably gave the bruising time to come to the surface if it was, like, a deep bruise. Right. Strangulation. So, and you can see, like, the hyoid bone might have been broken or something like that. Or the way they described her loose neck, he probably broke her neck with the force of it all. Oh yes, they they did. She what her neck was broken. I wonder like where it was broken. Like Oh, I see. In one of the stories it did tell but I didn't add it in. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. It's just me. It's just me being my weird medical Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be too like Don't worry. Yeah. I get their mind. So there because I'm like trying to think of what part of it would have made the I'm just stuck on the loose neck honestly that's what it is I'm stuck on the well, loose neck the, that word as like the descriptive that's the that's the word they use to describe it it's just mm, you know yeah mm. that's all I can say I like that. it I like I don't like it but I'm saying no, like, it's no. a very interesting description yes I have one more story to tell you excited this one is about Teresita Bassa. Ah! You know this one? Of course I know this one. <laughs> this is, this right. is a, well, this is the OG Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So Teresita grew up in the Philippines. She moved to the U.S. as an adult to study music. And although eventually earning herself a master's in music, she did not pursue a job in that field. She did give piano lessons in her free time, but in 1977, Teresita's primary job was working as a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago. 47-year-old Teresita was at home in her apartment on the evening of Monday, February 21st, 1977. After working her shift at the hospital earlier that day, She sat at home chatting with Ruth Loeb, a friend of hers, who had called her around 7.30 that evening. They spoke for a bit until about 20 minutes into their chat, Teresita said she had to go because she was expecting someone's arrival in just a few moments. So Ruth said goodbye to Teresita, and that was that. A little over an hour later, a couple in the same apartment building called the janitor, who in turn called the Chicago Fire Department because the smell of smoke was permeating the building. 
as the fire department investigated, they discovered the smoke was coming from none other, none other than Teresita Voss's apartment. Upon entering her apartment, they found a mattress in the center of the living room. It was engulfed in flames. They immediately put out the fire and soon after discovered this had not been an accident. Under the mattress lay Teresita's body. Mm. She had been murdered. Police investigated the scene and were unable to find any clues identifying who the killer had could have been. The only thing they knew for certain was there had been a struggle in the apartment and the apartment was in obvious disarray. They did find a note written by Teresita, which read, get theater tickets for A.S. But not knowing who A.S. was or even when the note had been written, it was uncertain as to whether or not the note was of any value. Yeah. Detectives were hoping to find A.S. nonetheless to get a better idea as to who they were in relation to Teresita. After months of interviews with those who knew her, the case reached a standstill. Detectives had no new leads and no new clues that could help the investigation move forward. This remained the case until July of that same year. Homicide detective Joe Stahula caught wind of someone who claimed to have important information regarding the Bossa murder. The person holding these clues was Dr. Chua and his wife, Remy. So Detective Stahula and his partner, Detective Eplin, set out to speak with the couple in hopes of solving this baffling murder. Upon arriving to the couple's home, Stahula was told Remy had also come from the Philippines. And she happened to work at the same hospital as Teresita. Both worked in the same department as respiratory therapists. Remy went on to say, sometime after Teresita's death, she had finished a particularly long shift at the hospital and decided to head to one of the lounge rooms just to take a nap. Tired, she laid in the room, hoping to get some much needed rest. But just after closing her eyes, she felt the presence of someone else in the room. She opened her eyes, and standing right in front of her was the late Teresita. Teresita stood there, staring at the stunned woman. Remy, shocked and rightfully scared, immediately began to pray. It wasn't long after that incident that Remy was at home when she was hit with this overwhelming exhaustion. She decided to go to bed early that night. When her husband entered the room a little while later, he tried to wake her and ask her if she was feeling okay. Side note, please never wake me unnecessarily. If I tell you that I'm going to sleep because I'm exhausted, let me sleep. I was just thinking of her being in the hospital. I almost cut you off earlier because I was thinking if I'm working a long shift and I'm like, I'm going to sleep for like five, ten minutes or whatever, or even like the shortest amount of time. I need that sleep. I value sleep above so much in this world. Especially Same. naps. And I was like, oh gosh, can you wait until like I'm about to wake up and then wake me up maybe and talk to me then? Not when right. I'm drifting off into much needed sleep. Especially because when she's exhausted. Like I have 
low, I have like clinically low vitamin D stuff. So I'm tired a lot. I have some other health stuff making me tired a lot. So when I'm exhausted, please, I would burst into tears. I'd be like, just let me sleep. That's all. Right? Like, I know he was trying to check on her, but she was exhausted. Let the woman sleep. Check on me in like a little bit. Let me sleep. Right. I need my sleep. I need my sleep. Oh, yeah. You're you're cranky. Yeah. I I know. I become like a three-year-old when I don't get enough sleep. Yeah. I need a nap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to check on her, see if she's feeling okay. And he was confused when she began to speak back to him in a voice that was unfamiliar to him. Mm. Creepy. That is creepy. When she continued to speak. (laughs) Go back to bed. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Can you just imagine, Dana? Right. No. If I woke someone up and they started speaking to me in a different tone or voice, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, shh, here's some white noise. Goodbye. And it's like back on up, you know? I think if it were like Ray or something and they did that, I would shake him and be like, hey, wake up. Like, nope. Like, something is not right. Wake, wake up. up. <laughs> <laughs> but when she continued to speak to him, she actually said her name was Teresita Bassa. And she asked him to help her. She continued speaking to him while in a trance-like state, pleading with him to go to the police. She explained the police were having difficulty finding her killer and they needed to know his name. His name, she said, was Alan Showery. A-A-S. A-S. He came to her apartment the night of February 21st to help fix her television. But upon arrival, he instead killed Teresita. Her voice then faded, and Remy woke from her trance slash nap, unaware of anything that had just happened. (laughs) Dr. Chua was like, "Um, this weird thing just happened. And and then he asked him. (laughs) Can you imagine, say you're here, and you woke me up from a nap because you had to. And I started talking to you in a different thing and, like, explaining this terrible thing to you. So you're there staring at me, slack-jawed, wide-eyed, and then the trance breaks. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. But truly, though, Dana, how do you think I would react if you were doing that? You'd hit me. Well, Or be yes. happy. You'd no. Be like, yes, tell me more. Yes. yes, that's the thing. That's how more. I think I would be. I think I would be. I think I would be asking you so many questions. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's true. Remember that one time I broke my arm? Um, I had fallen in front of our house, technically off a car. Yes. Uh, and I came inside and I had broken my arm. I knew something was wrong. And you went into 20 question rapid fire does it move can you touch it can you feel it and i looked at you and i just said get away from me (laughs) yeah i i was in i was in middle school so you were either in you were in high school then and you were bam 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 and i was like no thank you so, yeah, no, you're right. You'd probably be. I would because I need to know. I need to know all the answers. 
and you're very like, please tell me. But you'd be afraid though too. You'd be like, mm, don't do that again. But also, can you like tell me more? Well, yeah, I need to know all the answers so I can know how, you know, how serious yeah. the situation is. So that is where we are. I don't know where I am. Give me a moment. I'm so sorry. I think I'm oh, sure. it's not your fault. <laughs> all right. So Dr. Chua is now faced with her awake from this trance-like state and he asks her if he remember if she remembers anything that had just transpired her response was a blank stare back in his direction oh what's that dean sorry i had to fix something on my computer i'm so sorry (laughs) oh no it like locked me out of something so to type the password i heard like a squeak like a oh weird sorry no, don't apologize. Stop apologizing. Okay. Go, go back. Okay. Okay. All right. I forgot where I am. So he heard something. He heard something. He did? He, he heard said something? something? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he asked her. He asked her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm asking you, he heard something? No. no. I don't- No, so he did not hear something. He asked her what the hell just happened. And she was like, I don't know. She first stared blankly at him. And then she was literally like, I have no idea what just happened. So after that, probably effing spooked and utterly confused, Chua decided to... Actually, he decided that this is probably just an isolated incident. Let's move on from this. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that was his. That was what he thought. Okay, not me, but cool. Right, because it's so specific. I would be afraid to sleep next to her. Oh, absolutely. The other night, Ray is a sleep talker, and he happens to like. I, I wouldn't say like a sleepwalker, but he's definitely he can be very active in his dreams. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. The other night we were going to sleep and before we went to sleep, I noticed that he had a pair of scissors on his side of the bedside table. And I thought to myself briefly, should I move those in case like he wakes up in the middle of the night, knows those are there and thinks I'm like, I'm like a giant moth and tries to kill me. Well, the reason I say giant moth is because in the past he woke up terrified rolled over my body and off the bed jumped up and said where is it where is it and I said where's what and he said there's a huge moth crawling up the side of the bed and I was freaked out and there was no giant moth and then that was that but oh my god I'm crying laughing (laughs) Abby is also very similar to Ray. I get woken up multiple times because she thinks one of the babies we take care of is in the closet or falling off the bed. <laughs> She's like, where is it? And I'm like, where Where are they? And I'm like, what? The baby. And I'm like, we're at home. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. That sounds so stressful. Poor Abby. It is. And, like, one time she thought it was falling off. And she goes, oh. I gotta get it. I got it. And I said, what? <laughs> what? The baby. 
the baby. Oh my God. That is so cute. But in this situation, he thinks it's an isolated incident. He doesn't question her very specific details in her dream. And they move on. And in the Unsolved Mysteries episode that I watched regarding this case, the detective said the first incident, specifically, he said, only lasted 30 minutes. Only. And when he said that, all I could think was only? That's a long freaking time for someone to be chatting with their partner in such a state. Yeah. I think after, like, a minute or two, I'd be, okay, that's enough. Let's, like, get you out of this. Like, no matter how intrigued I am by that I think my intrigue would wear off into a side of fear yeah especially for their well-being right and their her voice was completely different it wasn't her voice yeah so needless to say um and oh I would not be okay and I would be certain something was hella wrong with them yeah Soon, Dr. Chua would come to the realization this would not be a one-time experience because a week later, Remy again began to speak in another voice. No. This time, more urgently asking Chua why he hadn't done what she had asked. (gasps) Why had he not gone to the police? He told her there was no way he could go to the police with what she'd told him. There wasn't any proof, and that was something the police would surely need. And then the voice replied back to him, saying she had proof. She said after killing her, he stole her jewelry. And if that wasn't enough, she also said he gave my jewelry to his girlfriend. No. And more so there were people that could identify the unique pieces of jewelry. This is when Chua finally decided to share with the police what he'd discovered. The detectives proceeded to investigate Alan Shari and found that he was indeed the man that was visiting Teresita the night of her murder. They also discovered he worked at the same hospital and lived very close to Teresita. They questioned him, and he admitted to going over to her apartment, but said he was unable to fix her TV, so he left and returned home to his girlfriend. Their next step was to speak to his girlfriend. Yep. And more specifically, ask her if Alan had gifted her with any jewelry in the past few months. To their surprise, she told him he had given her a few pieces of jewelry. She agreed to let Teresita's family and friends examine the jewelry to see if it was, in fact, those belonging to Teresita. They very quickly identified the pieces of jewelry, especially because they were very unique pieces. They were pieces bought by her father years ago and given to her mother, eventually acquired by Teresita. Now, Alan had no choice but to admit his guilt. He was eventually sent to prison for the murder of Teresita Bassa, thanks to Teresita herself. Wow. Also, I don't, I think it's when I'm like, you gave me jewelry from someone you murdered? Oh, I know. That is disturbing. That is so disturbing. 
Yeah. And one thing that I did, I did notice in the story that I didn't mention actually was I, I mentioned that the Teresita and I forgot her name, the person that had these dreams. The person she possessed? Yeah. <laughs> yes. She and Teresita, even though they worked at the same hospital and in the same department, they never worked the same shift. They only met one time and that was during orientation week so it wasn't like they had like a really close relationship yeah it was like my best friend no no they had only met once but I just wonder how like why was she chosen to deliver the message you know they were both from the Philippines yes so I wonder if it was something like my soul is attracted to your soul because like you have Maybe you'll believe me because of a cultural thing, maybe, or maybe yeah, speaking in was she speaking Filipino? Was she speaking in English? You know, I don't know exactly how she was speaking, but maybe she was like, "I can get somewhere with you." I know it's so weird how a lot of times there are these like connections, these weird connections. Yeah. I remember when growing up, I had some creepy paranormal experiences, and. When I had those experiences, I would share them with mom and she wouldn't say anything right away. But later (laughs) she would tell me I had the same experience the same night. And it's just strange that like. And meanwhile, I had nothing. (laughs) Dana was sleeping like a baby. Or sleepwalked with a hammer. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Dana also sleepwalks, guys. Not often. Yeah. There was a, there was a period of my time where I did sleep up when I was younger, and I scared Megan. But yeah, been there. Yeah. No longer. That there. was scary. Yeah. Now I sleep with my door closed or door locked. I always sleep with my door locked. Yeah. And your door. I mean, side note for safety in general, sleeping with the door bedroom door closed can actually help in a case of a fire. Oh, I've seen video. <laughs> no side note because if some it acts as a barrier i've seen videos of people who like the entire house was destroyed and then like a bedroom was left almost practically unscathed because the door was closed wow yeah Dana, as you're telling this story i'm looking around my room i'm like okay i can go out that window if there's a fire well, absolutely i yeah. can go out there okay yeah yeah no i saw a video so. I sent it to you that was like a house and it was the nursery that was like unscathed because of wow. closed doors. And I was like, well, all doors will be closed now. I mean, we're in a fifth floor apartment. I got to get those like ladders for the window or something. Thankfully, we have many windows. So Yeah. And they have those ladders that you can like hook on and they, like, they roll like, down. Roll. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. But right. anyways, back on track. <laughs> those are my stories, Dana. I what love you, them. What do I... you have to tell me? Oh. I... So I'm thinking about your thing in general, and I was just, I'm still stuck on the fact that, like, they only met, there's, like, one or a handful of times. I'm thinking about people I've met, like, one or a handful of times that I'm, like, how would, <laughs> is there any connection to us that I would be possessed by your spirit to help solve your murder? Right? That's just, yeah, no. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, I want nothing more than to watch Unsolved Mysteries, the new and the old. So, like you, weirdly enough, I chose an old favorite, a story that we first heard at a young age on Unsolved Mysteries, that one that made me very wary of late nights in the wood. 
And once again, red eyes. Oh my God. I was like, I chose it on a whim. And then I was like, wait a second. This also has red eyes. Oh my God, Dana. It is so funny. It's funny how you choose like death. (laughs) <laughs> like beyond but like I when you said it I was like oh my another one like not 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 badly but like <laughs> I know we're like, so predictable we are so mine's encrypted with red eyes but before I start my topic deals with like blood animal death and like that so trigger warnings to those who need it so without further ado let us begin we are going to the island of Puerto Rico where abuela abuela were raised and mom and titi lived for a little bit as well when they were growing up and quick side note that this is about a cryptid that has sightings in Southwest America as well as globally. But I'm only talking about it when it was in Puerto Rico and where it got its name and kind of the, I think of the word, the infamous aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Infamy. Where it got its name in infamy. So do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Megan? Absolutely. Oh, good. The chupacabra? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited. So, I freaking loved the chupacabra when I was a kid. Right? Yes. So this is this is very interesting. I'm going to talk about a couple of the sightings of the chupacabra and then kind of delve into the medical aspect and some of the different theories of it. Okay. So in March 1995 in Puerto Rico, there were eight sheep that were found dead and mutilated with at least three puncture wounds on their body. Their bodies were nearly drained of all their blood. And while authorities were confused the manner of death, there was a supposed simple explanation for it. A fox. A fox? And I know foxes have sharp teeth. I mean, I've seen the bite marks of like Juniper the fox I've made before. I can't imagine a fox or a group of fox could take down like that many sheep to the point of death and draining that many that mu- that much blood. So yeah, draining the blood. And I and and I'm sure I just know it. I'm sure the area was clean around it. Right? Cuz like draining the blood's like oh there, there wasn't like pools of blood they're sitting in pools of blood like No. Obviously animals will bleed out like, or exenuate like but that full exenuation or complete lo- loss of blood and nothing in the area is a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a group of foxes is referred to as a skulk, a leash, or an earth. Earth? Oh, I like that. So a skulk. So at this time, the creature had been attacking other animals, but no one had seen it to report on it yet. Until August of the same year, when Madeline Tolentino said she saw it outside of her house and... Puerto Rico in an area called Canovanas. I'm gonna, I should ask mom how to pronounce that properly. Did I? No. But I should. <laughs> she was looking through the window when she saw it and described it as a bipedal animal with dark gray or black eyes that were damp and protruding. Ew! Damp up, eyes? Running up to its temples. And spreading to the sides. With, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm said, sorry. I cut you off earlier because I was disgusted by wet eyes or damp eyes. Sorry. I said I do not like any features of any sort being described as damp. Ew. I'll, I'll say it again. Damp and protruding. 
running up to its temples and spreading to its sides. What the fuck? <laughs> I almost picture it almost like insectal, like insect style or alien style, how it like starts out small and goes up and gets bigger. Ooh, I just, I just, I think of, um, what's that movie? Ice Age, that, that, um, what's the creature the at the beginning? What, what's his name? Is it a sloth? No, the thing at the beginning that, that he's always like trying to find a, a nut or something. It's a squirrel, isn't it a squirrel? Oh, is he a squirrel? <laughs> Anyways, doesn't he have like, in my mind right now, I can't, I can't picture him. Doesn't he have like huge eyes? Maybe. I don't know. But the protruding damp eyes. Ew. I'm just picturing that thing, but like breathing (laughs) heavily, drooling, and being very damp in the eye. (laughs) She went on to say it was about four feet more or less in height. At the time, it was walking like a human, like bipedal, with both legs, and its arms were drawn back in an attack position as if it was a TV monster. That was her quote. She said it had three long, skinny fingers, and its arms were very long. Its hair was short and close to its body, rather well combed, in fact. And I said, oh, the little dapper little demon over there. Wow. So the beast at this point didn't have an official name yet, and that would take one more month until it got its name. Before the sun was in the sky, on September 9th, 1995, David Negron went to the backyard of his house to check on the family goat. But when he approached, it had been killed. He was shocked, and he looked up and saw a creature, black and hairy, with large red eyes and a crest on top of its head. He, obviously, felt scared and ran back into his house. Now, later in that same day, investigators from the civil defense came to investigate the, I I don't know if they came to investigate the sighting per se or the mutilation of the goat, but they came to look at the goat as well and found only two small puncture wounds on the body. However, like the sheep earlier, it was completely drained of blood. And while there have been sightings of this creature reported since the 70s when it was dubbed, in some cases, a vampire, this case with David made it a bigger deal in the news and media, and it was officially dubbed the Chupacabra, which translates into goat sucker. Mm. So the, it's, its exact like translation is like goat sucker. Okay. Um, that's what the name means. And over the next couple months, nearly 100 animals were attacked and killed. Dozens were left largely intact with about half an inch in size puncture wounds found over the body. Now, these are mainly mainly sheep and rabbits. And a lot of people theorized it was because those smaller animals like this couldn't really put up a, a lot of a fight. Yeah. And there have been reports of larger animals like cows and goats and other things like that but the mass reporting of it was with smaller creatures interesting and there were sometimes bites near the liver and near the reproductive system of the animals so i wonder if there was 
I, I didn't look it up exactly to see like <laughs> what type of enzymes or nutrients are found in those areas, wondering if the creature knew to look for nutritious like, nutrients of like more iron per se in, right like, or more vitamin something in that area mm-hmm. and most of these animals attracts were attributed in hush fears to the chupacabra like hundreds thousands of animals are dying like i the numbers i couldn't quite pin down because different articles gave me different counts of it okay there was even a now this one is this one is one that gets me. So there was a police official, a homicide detective named Eliezer Rivera, who was super skeptical of the whole thing. He thought people were making it up, like it was a fear mongering thing, like almost a mob mentality, like one person starts saying they saw something and then that idea is planted in people's heads and they're seeing things that aren't there because just the the uh, art of influence almost like yeah so he thought they're being led astray by media movies making a bigger deal of a mangy animal or wild dogs because a lot of people are saying oh it's wild dogs doing this Mm -hmm. then one night he and a friend were driving home from church when he saw something strange on the side of the road and began to slow down megan at first he thought it was simply a puppet (laughs) which I mean, no thank you. Any random puppet I see <laughs> on the side of the road is not simply anything. Because also, <laughs> keep in mind, I don't think I mentioned it, a lot of these sightings happened around the rain, a rainforest area in Puerto Rico. So you're, you're talking like heavy wooded area, lots of trees, lots, lots of bushes. You're Ooh. not going to find random puppets here. It's not like a no where you're like... Uh, I don't know. Are you, are yeah, you more- now that you say the, like, describe the location as being basically like a rainforest. Yeah. That is eerie. Right? So I'm, like, trying to think of, I mean, would a more urban area, would you be more likely to see a random puppet? Maybe. No, I would still be creeped out if I saw a puppet <laughs> right, anywhere. And so he slowed down to look at it. Whatever. It- But as he continued to look, he noticed it moving with a tall, long, with, and it was tall, with long eyes, and it was hairy with three fingers that were long and thin with claws coming from each of them. Long eyes? One again, long eyes. Long eyes. I don't like long or damp eyes. No. And so he sped off into the night. No, I'm kidding. That would be (laughs) simple, Megan. He opened the door. No, he did not. He opened the door and the animal produced a large spike from its mouth. (gasps) Which part of me wonders if something was like lost in translation, if it was supposed to be like a forked tongue or like extending fangs. But my brain just goes to a giant needle coming from its throat. Oh, God. But any of those options are no-go in my book. Was he not thinking of rabies? Well, he he said once that, like, threatening spike came out, he took it properly as a warning, which good on him. And he sat back down in the car and closed the door. 
and the creature stepped forward and started to slowly like and like either I don't know if it crossed the road or moved back into the woods, but it kind of like it it retreated away from him. And then he decided we're good to go. We're gone. And he officially is like, there's no doubt in my mind, it exists now. So oh he, was, he was he was like, nope, uh-uh. And then he saw it, Spike Mouth McGee, and said, nope, I lied. You you exist. Oh so he, yeah, he said it was not of this world. No known animal. Ooh. So the police in the cities of Puerto Rico began to investigate an attempt to locate the creature. And a veterinarian by the name of Carlos Soto, he was hired to examine multiple animals that had been attacked by the supposed creature. And a lot of, like, rabbits and stuff like that. Once again, the small creatures. And on one of the animals, he found puncture wounds on the back of its neck. He described them as perfectly round wounds. He also found that some of the organs removed. But there was no sign of coagulation which is the blood like drying after a wound or mm-hmm. it did not it, i'm sorry or not or neither had it gone through rigor mortis mm. now mm. i looked it up and i don't know how long it was until he got the creatures but be aware that rigor mortis which is the stiffening of the joints when a body is deceased typically begins within 10 minutes to three hours after death and it can last hours so that last as long as 72 hours really got me thinking that so the rigor mortis happens if it's past that time mm-hmm. can you still tell if a body has gone through it after the fact right and like if if it hasn't gone through that if it hasn't gone through rigor mortis after the 72 hours what can make something not go through it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, what, what prevents is it? it? It's something, like, I know, and with the coagulation aspect of it, it's really weird, too, because I know that, like, some snakes, and thinking of, like, things with, like, venom-type things, mm-hmm. they, it makes the blood, co- like, coagulate in a different way, so it actually does coagulate, but it does something with the blood. Interesting. So I'm wondering if it's something with that venom-type thing that is reacting with the blood and the Huh. Aspect of rigor mortis, or if rigor mortis is affected by the blood itself, absence of blood makes it so it doesn't happen. Right. That's a good point. Or where they've, thank you. I've seen a thing before where they've taken like a bowl of blood and they put like a drop of a certain snake venom in it and and it becomes almost like jello instantly. Ooh. Like a weird, thick glob. So it just shows the reaction of certain animals and like even mosquitoes. That's why we itch because the venom or like the not venom, but like the what they inject you with it, it, your body's reacting to that. Yeah. So I wonder if when the creature bit to drain, if something was injected in them or right. Blood. Yeah. But Carlos has been unable to like the, the veterinarian. He's been unable to explain what happened to the animals. However, a spokesperson for the Puerto Rican government says the animals are probably attacked by wild dogs. No. And the thing is, you got to think about it. Dogs have you, – they, they can leave puncture marks on dogs bite. There are sometimes they do have the canine 
Okay. Thing. But, but, but what about the three fingers, think... the three long fingers? Exactly. And also walking on, I mean, I guess they could walk on hind we've legs. Had, we've talked about it before. They, have, they, don't, they don't walk. <laughs> they, don't... they don't walk uh, normally. No. <laughs> no. But in the north central city of Caguas, once again, Dana, learn, learn how to pronounce things. <laughs> an unnamed individual got an up close and personal interaction with it, describing it again as having huge red eyes and hairy arms. The creature allegedly broke into the bedroom of the house through a window, tore apart a child's stuffed teddy bear, left a puddle of slime behind, and a single piece of rancid meat on the windowsill before disappearing. Ooh, but why? I don't understand. And I want no pun intended to butcher a quote from the Godfather here. Leave the slime. Take the rancid meat, please. <laughs> I just picture like a gray flank steak, but I know there was like blood and hair in there. Dana barf. <laughs> like that is disgusting. It was. Ready? It was a damp piece of meat. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, was it a peace offering, an apology for the mess, or just like a forgetful little monster? <sighs> like, why would he yeah, I think he probably <laughs> forgot it. But why did he even end did he take the meat from like their kitchen and then was like, meh, I can live without this. And- well, I think he like I maybe he like broke in thinking the teddy bear was an animal or something and was like, Oh, like, oh, I'll drag this along he probably had the meat in his little claws before he went in the meat was his little snack his little meat snack his his little meat snack and he dropped it when he was going after the bear and then he was like oh nope not a bear leave you know and then he left his meat that's probably very sad he left his meat behind (laughs) Uh, and there was another encounter that i found but this one i only found in like one article so i don't know like it, it was literally only a snippet but i thought it was very interesting to um Add to the fear of it all, a man was out in his balcony when he noticed something was standing on the far railing of his balcony. And he realized that the creature was on the edge of the balcony, crouching down, looking at him. <gasps> unlike anything he had ever seen before. Oh my god, Dana, that would scare me so bad. Like, that's literally all it says of that one. And I was like, do I even include this one? And I said, yeah, that one's freaking terrifying. That I don't one, know why the crouching balcony one? I was like, is that the one scariest? Is the I said, no, don't crouch on my balcony. That's yeah, my safe spot. Exactly, that's safe. That's supposed to be safe. Your balcony is safe. <laughs> Through the end of 1995, chupacabras have been blamed for more than a thousand mysterious animal deaths, all resulting from blood loss through one or more puncture wounds. In that time, more and more people came forward as eyewitnesses. Consistently describing the creature in the same way. <clears throat> Monkey-like, but having no tail. Having large oval red eyes that sometimes glow. Gray skin, a long snake-like tongue, fangs, long spiner- spinal quills that may double as wings. And those that saw the chupacabra say it stands between four and five feet tall, hops like a kangaroo. And leaves a horrid sulfur stench in its wake. There is a lot of things happening there. A lot of things happening there. Yeah, I see like a giant, I see a giant 
Chinese crested. Oh my gosh. You're right. It's it's that it's that it's that skin. Yes. And then the quills though get me. Yeah. And it has cru- it has it has the eyes like I think you're thinking of the sloth in Ice Age. It has those eyes, those like protruding eyes. And they're kind of crusty. They're like sleep in their eyes. Ew. And <laughs> would you have- rather <laughs> no. <laughs> no. lick oh, the I- eyeball? Or get the rancid meat. Oh, or eat the rancid meat. Honestly, what would you rather? Lick the the damp eyeball or eat the rancid meat? Am I licking the eyeball or am I pulling the... Oh, God. This is, this is a disgusting episode. You're licking it. You're, li- you're licking it very vigorously. <laughs> oh, God, Megan. I mm-hmm. think I would... I lick the eyeball. Really? I think I would bite the meat. Ooh. No. <laughs> Nope. So that's the worst thing we've ever discussed in this podcast of the state. <laughs> At some of the site of the attacks, I decided I had to get back into this somehow. Hold on. I almost spat out my tea just then. <laughs> okay. At some of the sites of the attacks, there were unidentified three toe tracks that were found. And zoologists compared them and the descriptions of the eyewitness animals, and they couldn't find any animal that would f- even come close to fitting the combined description, like the three toes, quills like wings, hopping a king. <laughs> what is this? Now, like I said, I focused mainly on the Puerto Rican one, which seems to have, you know, quills, red eyes, and this kind of scaly dry body and claws with with hairy arms, which is a very interesting combo. Yeah. But I'd be remiss if I didn't make one more mention of a more recent sighting of a beast that was also dubbed a chupacabra. This one happened in June of this year. (gasps) And this one happened outside the Amarillo Zoo in Texas. Now, in June of this year, there was a furry creature walking on two legs, pacing the perimeter of the zoo. No animals were harmed, but it was caught on video. Oh, my God. Making people wonder what it truly was. Now, in my opinion, if this isn't a prank or a hoax or someone, like, wearing, like, a mask or something, this one seems to go, in my opinion, more the route of a werewolf. Because this this one was very hairy and had almost like a dog like head. Mm. Did so you I watch the video, Dean? I saw the still of it, and I can send it to you. There's a, I, I will compile all like the kind of images of drawings of this creature. Yeah, because it was very interesting. Yeah, I'd really like to see the still. Yeah, let me find it real quick for you. Hold on. Okay. And I... Because I saw this picture. And I'm used to the almost like reptilian style. You see in like Unsolved Mysteries, a drawing of a cobra. This one feels more like... Okay, look at your phone now. Okay, I'm going. Okay, I see. Oh, my Lanta... (laughs) <laughs> interesting that was seen this year it it it's weird 
<laughs> it is very odd. Yeah. So no one really knows what the Chupacabra is. And like I said, the one I discussed is mainly Puerto Rico. There have been things in Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Texas like Southwest America. But th- you got to think about it. Chupacabra mainly means goat sucker. So if animals are attacked, anything can be a Chupacabra, I guess. Right, 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 right. But some people say wild dogs, wild monkeys, or bats. And government officials mostly happen to agree with that aspect and say a rabid coyote with mange, which a lot of the things that seems to be the basis of many of the Southwest sightings is like that, like beast with mange in April of 1996, a pathologist examined goats that have been allegedly killed by chupacabras. And based on the wounds, he said, once again, wild dogs Mm. in July, 2010, two animals are killed in Texas that were believed to be chupacabras. However, they were coyotes with a parasite infection. Oh, sad. Yeah, I know. And then in October of that same year, 2010, University of Michigan scientists said that chupacabras were probably just diseased coyotes. However, some still believe that they may be creatures that have not been explained. So a few of the possible explanations for these are as follows. And I will probably send you a copy of all of these photos we can post on our socials so you can see what it is looks like because there's a lot of different things that i had not seen before okay some people think it could be a species of ape okay maybe closely related to a calinaro or other freshwater monkeys hmm. since it's hop since it hops like a kangaroo some people think it could be in the same vein of a marsupial that is also carnivorous like the echoldeta or the sigbin hmm. i'm really good at pronouncing things today aces here it could also be a creature more closely related to bats, like the species Camazots, because there are also reports of some of the Chupacabra flying. Flying? I did not see any of those, but I said, hmm, no, thank you. Some think that it's a dinosaur-type creature, having survived in the warm climate un- undetected since the destruction of its fellow species. Interesting. Now, I know I'm seeing a lot of species. Like I said, I'll send you a lot of these things. But some of them could be like chupacabra adjacent. Right. I believe, obviously, old school, it's an alien. <laughs> You're right, right. Gotta let's go back try, to the alien. This is just trying to survive on a planet far different from what it calls home. And I feel, I want to ask you first, what do you think it is, Megan? Well, I think, you know how they you say that like in different areas they think they have it. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't see why there couldn't be another creature out there. I, I looked up to see how many new species were discovered just in this year, 2022. Mm-hmm. 24 new species of animals That's were found. That's a lot. So it just think about that averaging out every single year. Who knows what we'll find? I think that maybe some of the stories were sick animals. Absolutely, yeah. But I don't think all of them. Like, the one where the person saw a creature standing on its hind legs with three long fingers, I don't know what that could be. Right, I'm trying to think. Because the three clawed things reminds me of birds, 
bird claws, but oh, also yeah. raptors, raptor type things. Ooh, oh my god! But, like raptor has like the three claws, some kind of reptili- reptile, kind of the similar like three bigger things, and then like two smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So I can see the aspect like very similar where like the hairless dog like creature that happens to be in some sightings. But like you said, the OG Puerto Rican one with the scales and the damp eyes and the quills. Right. The quills really get me. Like that doesn't seem like the spooky <laughs> things. I'm like, there's not dogs that have that. I'm looking at my yeah, and just think no you know. Just think of how vast the rainforest is. It's so and like like you said, new animals being discovered every year. A lot of them are being found in rainforests. Yes. So in the rainforest, and you gotta think of like a camouflage type thing. That people said it's a green like thing. Green that green aspect could lead to more camouflage in a rainforest. Oh my god, Dana! You know what I was just thinking? I was thinking mm-hmm. to myself, and who knows where it lives? Maybe it like burrows under the dirt. Well, I hate Green, that, Dana. I know me too. Can you imagine walking through the rainforest and stepping on it, and it just grabbing you and pulling you in? Well, I made it worse. Okay. You're walking in the rainforest and you step on something spiky. <gasps> oh my god! It One goes through your shoe. It goes into your foot and it pins you in place. Oh my god! Stop it! Yeah. Oh my god! And then the ground starts moving underneath you. Uh, now is it the quill from its back? Is it one of its claws, or is it its spiky little fork tongue? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Your pins. It's a mystery um. for now. So yeah, that's that's once again that is an unsolved mysteries. Maybe you can help solve the unsolved this mysteries. <laughs> I loved it, Dana. I love the freaking chupacabra. Right? What a cutie. Uh, what a little cutie. I mean, honestly, <laughs> love him. A little choopy. A little choopy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's it for this week. Loved yours. I really liked how we both somehow tied back to our roots of unsolved mysteries and also tied back to our roots of what we like to discuss like it was on it was on point for us with cryptid red eyes and near death and beyond beyond that veil of time and like you know being i loved it so much me too dana so thank you megan for telling me your stories thank you listeners for coming along with us for another week we love being here with you all and each other. It has been a blast so far, and we can't wait to see what the weeks ahead bring. And so make sure you to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It means the world to us. And please feel free to find us on Twitter or Instagram at Scary Sisters Pod and email us at scary sisters pod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, any suggestions, or scary stories of yourself, not of yourself, for yourself, (laughs) of your own. If you have any scary stories of your own that you'd like to share with us and the fellow listeners of the podcast, we would love that. And as always, until next week, stay safe and stay spooky. Megan? Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.